Welcome to the City of Refuge Church Podcast. We are so excited that you have joined us. We are a church that is called, connected, and commissioned. We want to call all people to repent and believe in our Savior's loving grace. We want to connect our neighborhood to the unity found in the greater family of Christ. We want to commission others to live as kingdom citizens before the world and heaven. And we hope that this podcast gives you a glimpse of what God is doing in us and in the Eau Claire community. Thank you so much for tuning in. Morning, family. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord one more time. Uh, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Pastor Jerrion Wilson. Everybody here calls me J. Will. I have the privilege of being the planting pastor of this young church plant, uh, City of Refuge. We're a simple church just seeking to call all to Jesus to connect to his greater family, to live commissioned as kingdom citizens. Um, we have been going through the book of 1 Corinthians for the last few months, and we are actually coming closely and closely to the end. I think we have five more weeks in this book, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, we will be finishing up right at the end of September, right before we dive into our fall series, going through the five solas. But we've been learning what does it mean to live life together through the means of this broken, divided church. And as much as we can point and see how broken and divided they are, we can also say, you know what? We fall short also. But today we are looking at this church and seeing what does it mean to be a spiritually bound, blended family. In 1969, we were introduced to America's blended family. It was a story of, of a lovely lady who was bringing up three very lovely girls. All of them had gold hair like their mother, the young, youngest one, in curls. And here's the story of a man named Brady, who was busy with three boys of his own. They were four men all, living all together, yet they were all alone. Till the one day, when the lady met this fellow, and they knew it was much more than a hunch, that this group must somehow form a family, and that's the way we all became the Brady Bunch. Oh, man, I thought I'd get more chuckles out of that. Y'all don't know the Brady Bunch? I didn't watch great TV growing up. In 1969, the Brady Bunch was introduced to us. Uh, it revolves around this very large blended family of six children with three boys and three girls. Mike Brady, he was a widow. Uh, a widow, he had three sons, Peter. Uh, Greg, Peter, and Bobby. He marries Carl, uh, Carol Martin, who herself has three daughters, Marcia, Jane, Jan, and Cindy. Um, and Carol and her daughters, they take on the Brady's name. So in this show, we see this very interesting, awkward adjustment at people as uh, two families that were once their own thing start to try to come together and find accommodations for each other. And in the first season, you see a lot of rivals between the two genders, the brothers and the sisters. And sooner or later, resentment even pops up. But Carol tells Bobby, the son, one of the sons, this one truth, she says, there is only steps in the household that leads to the second floor. In other words, there was no such thing as step family, step children. No, she said, we will be one family. We will be a true family. 
You see, this blended family was trying to learn how to be bound together by the love the parents had for each other and their children. And this love resulted in the parents always trying to show that they were not playing favorites with their children or the other children. But of course... When you have blended families, you always have those who feel either inadequate or those who try to make themselves look better than others. We see this play out in the role of Jan and her sister Marcia. Jan, always feeling like she's in the shadow of Marcia, would be jealous because her sister seemed to have all the beauty. She was popular. She was pleasing, and every time Jan would get upset, she would say, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Everybody loves Marsha. And it was this idea of what about me? The Brady Bunch was a great sitcom, a great comedy. If you haven't seen it, go back. It might be slow because of our present-day type of TV shows, but it was a beautiful picture of what a blended family trying to work it out and wrestle through the, the realities of life looks like. Today, I would like to tell you that we also are trying to figure out as a blended family what this looks like. And in a world full of Marshas who are trying to stand out because they feel gifted and popular, we often feel like Jan. Like it's always them. They're always elevated. In the Corinthian church, the way this elevation was put on display is there was those who had more charismatic gifts that was shown on display from speaking in tongues or being up front declaring these things. And this made them seem superior to those in the church who weren't as gifted as them. And they have written a letter back to Paul saying, how do we work out these gifts? Is this really from God? Because I feel inadequate. They feel superior. How does this work? And Paul starts to tell them, brothers and sisters, using this familiar language in verse 1 of chapter 12. He says this, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware. Paul starts off trying to kind of ease the tension in the room, saying we are family. So before we dive into here, let's remember where we've been. Chapters 1 through 4, there was always this tension in the church of who's superior because of the leaders they follow. And Paul's argument is not the leaders you follow, but who the leaders point you to. That's of most importance. In chapter 5 through 7, we see Paul making the argument that we should not fall to sexual immorality because we are people who are supposed to be holy and pure before a holy God because we have been saved by a holy God. And from chapters 8 to 11, Paul has been arguing that you once lived a life of idolatry, but now in chapters 12 through 14, he's saying, now this is what it looks like to live under the new empowered life by the Holy Spirit. So he starts off talking about spiritual gifts. He says, I don't want you to be unaware. You know that you once were pagans. This points to the fact that Paul was talking to those who were non-Jewish that were believers at this point. He's saying one time you weren't in the family. You weren't of the covenant of God. And you used to follow after these different spirits. I, I want you to see what Paul is doing. He's putting in a contrast. He says, you followed dead gods, and you see where that led you. 
But now, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Paul, as he starts the argument about spiritual gifts, says that we have a spiritual God who testifies of his truth and he does this through the means of his Holy Spirit giving gifts to the family of God. You see, spiritual gifts are to testify of the true living God. The reason this was so important is because these, pa- these once pagan worshiping now non-Jewish believers are saying, hey, wait a second. All these people walking around talking erratically and doing all this craziness. I know what a soothsayer looks like. I, I know what pagan worship looks like. Are you sure this is the right God? Because it looks kind of similar to what I just came from. Does it look like I just grabbed on to another God? See, Idol worshipers, they used to be enticed by soothsayers, and they would just grab onto whatever God fit their needs in this moment. But Paul is making an argument. This is not just a God that fits your needs in the moment, but this is the exclusive God, the one and only God, the only one who can help us testify of the truth of who he is and stand truly in him. Uh Before we go any further, I want you to know, we should not be afraid of spiritual gifts. Yes, they look strange. They look weird. They have these, some people who have used them, or if we've seen them used, may have used them in an improper manner. I come from a background uh, where people who spoke in tongues did it to be seen. And they said, if you didn't speak in tongues, you actually didn't have the Holy Spirit. This was their litmus test saying if you were in the body or out the body. They were saying the only way we know you are truly saved is if you speak in tongues. Now, as we'll see further on, everybody isn't given the gift of speaking in tongues. And we'll see why that gift was given. But I want you to say this. Because of that, there were people who were saved but afraid they weren't saved. So they tried to fake as though they spoke in tongues. And they put on a show. They put on a show that was more distracting, but because they were trying to put on this show to seem and be perceived as superior in their gifting, that they were being applauded by man, but lying before man also. And by lying before man, they were also lying before God. Paul right here is saying, hey, I know you come from a background where you are only seen as spiritual, depending on how frantically you are, are working. This is the litmus test. Do they declare that Jesus is the only God you can serve? Do they declare that Jesus is the exclusive God you can put your trust in? This is the litmus test. If they say Jesus is one of the gods, then they can be doing all the acts, but their heart is far away from the Lord. So he said, don't be afraid of the gifts. I want you not to be unaware. But then he goes further, saying, not only do I want you to be unaware, I want you to know how this is the God who gives these different gifts. Looking at verses 4 through 11, he says, now there are different gifts, but the same spirit. And there are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God. He works all them in each person. I don't know if you caught what happened in those three verses, but 
Paul was pointing to the triune God who is revealing himself to the family of God and his unique differences, but in his sameness. Let me, let me put that in other terms. Paul saying, different gift, same spirit. So he says, yeah, yeah, you're going to see differences, but it should point to one. There are different ministries, meaning there are different ways that we are serving, but there's the same Lord. And he's invoking the covenantal name of God right now. He said there is the same Lord, meaning this is the one who binds us and holds us. Same Lord, even though we have different ministries. And there are different activities, but the same God. He uses Elohim, meaning most high God, and he works all of them in each person. So it's Paul saying, don't be afraid of the gifts. Know the God who gives the gifts, because this relational God in his triune nature is giving relational gifts. I'll show you how he's giving relational gifts, but as Paul places the discussion of spiritual gifts within this theological context of the Trinity, the unity amid diversity within God's nature itself it should also find reflection in the very the variety of God-given gifts amongst believers. If God himself is unique and have different personhoods, it makes sense that the gifts that would be displayed in the church would be unique and different, but somehow working together for the betterment of everyone. He is relational. He's not divided. He says, a manifest, uh, verse 7 says, a manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person why? For the common good. At the end of the day, don't be afraid of the gifts. Here's why the gifts are given, because the relational God gives relational gifts. And why? In verse 7, this is the sum of the whole chapter. It's for the common good. Family, you know, when we come together and God you shows his, our, the gifts he's uniquely put in each one of us, and he puts us together, he does it for each other's goods. Our gifts are not for our elevation. Our gifts are to care for those around us. This is how he lays out how those gifts care for those around us. In verse 8, he says, To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. This is a gift of prophecy he's talking about. And wisdom is coming alongside each other, seeing ways in their life that doesn't make sense, but because the Spirit is speaking to you saying, hey, I want to give you some wisdom, and this is going to help point you towards the way Christ is pointing you. This is why we need community. Because we are to give each other wisdom and boast each other on to look more like Christ. And then a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. What's a message of knowledge? Meaning, I'm speaking insights into your life that I shouldn't know. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and they said the exact thing you were either thinking or they said the exact thing that was going on and you didn't tell them? And you're like, how did you know? That's the gifts of the Spirit working in his body to care for his body. A sign that God cares for you is by those he put around you and how they speak into you through his Spirit. He says to another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts by the one spirit. Here, this faith is not a faith that is for our good, it's for the good of others. I've started telling people, 
man, you don't know. I'm praying prayers for you that you don't even realize. Justin's laughing because he'd have heard me say this before. I'm praying prayers over your life, and I just can't wait to see what God is going to do in your life because I'm praying prayers in your life because the Spirit is revealing some things in your life, and I'm not to tell you those things, but I'm just praying some prayers over you. This is the spirit of faith. It's the spirit of faith just to believe on somebody's behalf, to trust that God is going to do something great on their behalf. And to another, the gift of healing by the one spirit. This is when we come around each other as we see each other in our broken state, praying for healing over each other. Now, let me say this about healing. Just because we pray for somebody's healing doesn't mean they're always going to be healed. But the God who can heal hears the prayers of his people. And when we pray for the healings of others, he sometimes is moved on behalf, not just by our prayers, but joining in with what he's already doing through our prayers for the sake of others. He said, this is a gift of the Spirit. This is how I pour out my love to one another. To another, the performing of miracles. I don't even know what that means. I ain't going to lie, if you start doing miracles in here, I'm like, well, praise God. I don't know what just happened. <laughs> but he says, this is what I reveal through my church to one another. Going back to that verse 7, why? For the common good. Family, as we pray for each other, care for one another, I want you to know the purpose that God has put us together with one another is so that he can show he's not a mute God, but he speaks to his people, and how he speaks to his people is often through his people. God uses means, family. He uses means to reveal himself. And this is why the local church is so important. This is why this growing family is so important. This is why God is showing his diversity through his people. Peter writes in his letter in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 2, he says, Just as each one of you have received a gift, use it, why? To serve others as good stewards of the variety, the varied, 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 uh, varied graces of God, grace of God. He's saying every gift that comes from the Lord is good and wholesome, but it's not for you to hold on to. Our time is given to us by God and it's not for us to hold on to, but to think how do we be good stewards and care for those around us. Our prayers are not just for our building up, but to think how can you pray for others in good faith, praying that God will work in their behalf. If he's giving you some, if he's giving you the unction to go pray for somebody because you see they're sick, guess what? That's not for you, it's for them so that he can reveal more of himself to you. Now, I'm going to land on the landmine right here in verse 10. After the performing of miracles, like I said, I have no idea, but I'm, I'm excited to see God perform some miracles to another prophecy to another distinguishing between spirits, and then to another different kinds of tongues. What do we do with this? Is Paul talking about a gibberish kind of tongue here? Well, I don't think so. Especially in the Greek when it says the, the word tongues mean languages. 
And right after he says he's given the spirit, the gift of tongues to the church, he goes right after and says to another interpretation of tongues. Now, why would he be so quick to unite these two together? Oh, because they need each other. There, again, going back to my own personal experience, if you haven't experienced it, charismatic churches that are just all about the show, Go, go and join them. And sometimes I think they're doing it with good intentions, but I think from, and, and they're, they're doing it wrongly. Some speak in tongues, but then when you look around and say, where's the interpreter? There's not one here. I'm going to tell you right now. I tell people, I believe in speaking in tongues. I believe there is a spiritual gift of speaking in tongues. How does it work out? I don't think what we call tongues is tongues. I think what we call tongues is actually spiritual groanings. You find that in Romans chapter 8, when it says we speak these intangible words that we can't speak, but the Lord intercedes on our behalf. I think that's what they're talking about. But actual tongues is actual languages to relate an actual message to actual people, which is why there has to be an interpreter. So if a person comes on stage and they decide they want to speak in tongues here at City of Refuge, I ain't going to say other church, but here I'm going to tell them, uh, is there an interpreter in the house? Let's pray for interpretation. If there isn't, you're out of order. Get out of the way. And this is a problem that was happening in the Corinthian church. It was a lot of out of order. People wanted to be seen as and it's superior. So they would get up and they would just blabber away, blabber away, blabber away. And the ones who used to be pagan saying, what is happening? They didn't understand what was happening. No one in the room was interpreting what was happening. So it was causing confusion. And we'll hear more about that in verse chapter 14 in a few weeks. Wayne is coming to preach on that. But I just want to kind of point at the fact that these gifts work in tandem with each other strangely, uniquely, still figuring this out myself, still wrestling through it, but the sake of each of these gifts is for the body, caring for each other. And this is what Paul gets into in verses 12 through 16, that the church was given gifts to build each other up, not flaunt. He was given these gifts to put on display the goodness of God, not the greatness of ourselves. This is why he said in verse, in verse 12, he says, For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of the, that body, though many are one body, so also is Christ. So he's saying all these different parts, all these different gifts, this one body is a united body in Christ. For we all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we were all given one spirit to drink. Again, this is points to the unity of the body. So different people, different tongues, different tribes, but yet one body. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. One body, yet different and unique. And now we get into how people feel that they're not, a, they don't fit into the body because they don't have the gifts of the other, the other people. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It's not for that reason any less a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an ear, I, I, I don't belong to the body. It is not for that reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? See, Paul is saying, hey, just because y'all got different 
giftings don't make any of you lesser than the other. You're all needed. For our intensive person perspective, if everybody says, I'm the pastor, well, hold on. If you're the pastor, if you, everybody in the church is the pastor, where are the different members who are growing together? That's not how that works. If every person says, well, I'm a prophet in the church. Well, hold on. If everybody prophet, if everybody a prophet, well, who's receiving the prophecies? Everybody say, I got the gift of healing. Well, y'all real stingy with these gifts. Y'all all one and y'all ain't helping nobody else out. It's always this ideal that the gifts help others. You get what I'm saying? Like, family, if this, these gifts that Paul is getting at, it's for building. It's for help. It's for caring for one for the other. And on the flip side, not just those who elevate those, them, themselves, but those who feel, well, maybe my gifts are not that valuable. That depreciate themselves because they feel their gifts are not that great. Meaning if I don't stand on stage and preach, maybe I'm, I'm insignificant. If I can't sing the songs of the praise team sing, maybe I don't have a purpose here. If I don't have the gift of healing when I pray for people, some people be afraid to pray for people because every time I pray for them, it looks like they get sicker. No. He's like, nobody should elevate themselves. Nobody should depreciate themselves. But all of us as a whole should look at the one the one who is putting this body together. God has arranged each one of the body parts just as he wanted. Again, these gifts are not for us to say, I want this special gift. I don't have this gift. I'm insignificant. Or if I have this gift, I'm greater than everybody else. He said, no, no, no. That's not what the gifts are for. The gifts are for God to arrange and care for one another. In layman's term, what Paul is saying is this, this family is being bound together. There is a spirit that's like, I care for you. I want to take care of you. There is a father in heaven that cares for us and wants to take care of us, not because of what we do or what we say or how we pray or how we can perform, but because we are his. You know, I love, I love my son Zion. I love him. Love him. Handsome, smart, intelligent. I know you was going to come around the corner when I talked about you. <laughs> Love him. Goofy, funny, skateboarder. He has all these wonderful attributes. I love all the things about him. But guess what? Those things aren't the reason I love him. Those gifts, those attributes are not the things that make him great in my eyes or make him lovable in my eyes. But at the end of the day, I love him because he's mine. That's the same way the Lord looks at you. He doesn't say because you have the gift of speaking, I love you. You have a gift of healing, I love you. Because you are a great singer, I love you. Because you have the gift of helps, I love you. He says, no, no, I love you because you're mine. And because you're mine, you're never separated from the body because you don't feel as gifted. Actually, because of you not feeling as gifted, he says, I want to clothe you and care for you even more. Jump down to verses 23 to 26 when he says, and those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. 
and our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which each, which, which our respectable parts, which our respectable parts do not need. He's saying those parts that feel insignificant, no, no, that's the parts he's like, I love you so much. I want to honor you so much and elevate and tell you how much I love you. It's like our own body parts. Our private parts, of course, we cover up, but it's not because we're ashamed and we don't love it, but because we honor it and we want to make sure that we are covering it well to take care of it. Our hands, yes, we need our hands, but our hands take a beating. But there's other parts of our body, if it was to take a beating, we would feel it so deeply. I'll let you fill in the blank with those parts of the body, y'all. But at the end of the day, Paul, he's saying, Yo, God is not saying you are good or better or great because you can do these things. He's saying, no, I made them able to do these things so that all of the body can be taken care of. Oh, family, do you not know that God pours out his grace and his gifts on you because he loves you and he, want, he loves his body so much that he wants to use you to care for those around him? And for those who feel like they might not know what their gifts are, we're in an age where everybody wants to know, how am I gifted? How am I special? He's like, I don't need you to know how you're gifted and special until it's time to use. I just need you to know I love you. I care for you. You are not great because of what you do. You are not great because of how you help and serve. This is something I've tried to say over and over. We care less about what you do and how you're doing. We care less about how significant you feel, but how you're doing and how we can tell you how much God loves you. Family, if you feel as though you are not that great, it's okay. Because we have a great God who says, I love you and I want to show you how great I am. And for you who feels you are great, he's saying, humble yourself. Your greatness is for others, not you. And this is why he ends off in verse 30, 27 through 31. He says, now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. God has appointed these in the church first. First apostles. Second prophets, third teachers, next miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, leading, various kinds of tongues. So he's saying, I want to tell you, here's this order that God has given to the church. He gave the apostles before the spirit fell and the men and women started to prophesy. And then teaching started to go forth as the church spread and the church started to grow. And then miracles followed those who were gods and he was healing everywhere. He, went. he said, I want you to show there was this order of how things worked. But that's not what makes anyone great. Those are not the things we boast in. We don't boast in who was the first apostles. We don't boast in who were those prophets. We don't boast in the teachers. We don't boast in the miracles we've seen. We don't boast in how we have seen the sick healed. We don't boast in these things. This is why he says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all do miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? 
course, this rhetorical question would have the response of a reoccurring no. Which means their gifts, they are great gifts, but they're not the greatest gift. And he says, desire the greater gifts. And I will show you an even better way. We'll hear about this next week when Luke comes to preach. But family, what Paul is getting at is not to boast in your gifts, but we were created to boast. We were created to boast in one who is the gift giver because he is greater. Because he gives these gifts to reveal his love to us. Oh, this is why the psalm, the hymn writer says how deep the Father's love to us. He says, I will boast, I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I can only boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer, but I know this with all my heart, his wounds have paid my ransom. Paul was saying, y'all are trying to go back and forth of who's spiritually superior. Let me tell you, you're looking in the wrong place. Instead of using your gifts to serve one another, you're looking at one another saying, am I better than him? I'm better than her? No, he's saying, look up to the one who is the best. Because that is where our boast lies. This is how we will be blended together as a family. When we realize that the one who gives the spirit is the one who binds us together and holds us together and blending us together so that he will be magnified in all the earth. Oh, family, where's your boast today? Are you like Jan, Jane, He's saying, Marsha, 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 she gets all the attention. Are you too focused on those around you? Are you looking to the one who is worth boasting in? Look at him today. Trust in him today. Look towards him today. We'll figure out all the spiritual gifts later, but he is the one who is the great gift giver, and he is the one who is worthy of praise, not those who have gifts, not those who stand and declare, but the one who said, I am worth declaring. The one who says, I am worth boasting in. And this is where our boast will be found, because the one who said he is worth boasting is, is the one who showed how deep, His love is for us. He is the one who gives the gift to care for us because he loves us and he wants to unite us and bind us together. How do we know that he loves us? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, the one who knew all of glory, all of heaven, the one who stepped down from glory himself to say, I will bind these people to me. And he bound us together through his blood, the blood that was shed for our sins, the very things that was keeping us separated first to a holy God and also to each other. He says, I will step down from glory and bind you together and make you a new family of different gifts, different ethnicities, different tongues, different functions, but one God. And you will be under me, and you will be known by me, and I will know you. And one day when we rise again, we will know what it means to be fully his 
and be fully a, blind, a blended family. But until that day, today we get to partake in something that will help us be reminded of how he is binding us together. By the taking of his broken body, by eating of the bread, he said, this is my body which has been broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of what I've done. By drinking of this cup, we are saying we are taking on this, his, the drink that has been poured out for us, the blood that has been shed for us that is binding us together. And this is a declaration that we are a family that's been blended together. Now, here's the thing. If you are not a part of the family, this meal isn't for you yet. Not because we don't want you to partake. Not because we don't want you to be a part of the blended family. But because you cannot honestly declare that he has done this for you yet. What must you do? He said, repent and believe. Trust and the work that has been done on your behalf, turn your eyes to me, and I will bring you close to me and to each other. If you have not made the declaration that he is your Lord yet, that the blood has covered your sins yet, then we ask that you abstain. But for those who do declare these things, I want you to be reminded of this family we are united to and how one day we will partake with the one who unites us in this family, our heavenly father, our loving brother Jesus, and the spirit will be there binding us closer together and we will eat for all eternity. Will you look to the one who binds us and blends us and will you come and partake in his sufferings for your good so that we could be made whole in him? Will you pray with me? Father, we are so thankful that you are blending us together, putting us together, spiritually binding us together, and that your spirit is being poured out on us to serve one another. Lord, I pray today that each of us would think less about what our giftings is and more about who you are and what you are doing in us. I pray that you would examine our hearts as we prepare to come and eat at the communion table, remembering what has been done on our behalf as you are uniting this family deeper and deeper together. And Lord, if there are, there, if there are those who have not believed that you are binding us together, I pray that you would convict them, draw them to yourself, allow them to see why they need you desperately. Oh, Lord, we do long for your gifts, but we long for the greater gift, which is your love being poured out on us, revealing how much you love us more and more to us. So, Lord, reveal yourself in this church. Give us the gifts to care for one another and help us to keep our eyes focused on you. We ask all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Family, after we sing this song together of how we should not be in a hurry, let us come to the table after examining our hearts, taking of the elements. We will go back to our seats, recite the Apostles' Creed together as a family, uniting with the churches globally, and then we will take of the elements together. Would you stand and continue to sing with